afternoon, wherever you are, anywhere you are, when you are, morning, afternoon, night. Welcome to the Divergence. I am Will. Socials, you can find me under Halfling Wizard. I'm here with two amazing other creators who happen to be non-white. I am the only white, the white one in this group, and which is the way it should be. But I'm going to let them go around and introduce themselves. We'll take a... Saludos, programas, and welcome. I am Adolfo. You can find me on, on the socials at the Nerdy Puerto Rican. I am nerdy in Puerto Rican, and I'm just coming off of three days of being sick, and I'm still feeling it, but I'm feeling better. I'm glad that you're feeling better, my friend. But hello, everyone. This is Mikey, the founder of the Vibe Tribe and one third of the Divergence here. I am Mexican in Puerto Rican. Don't know why we need to clarify that, but all brown, baby. Let's go. I'm excited for tonight. It's one of my favorite things to do with these two fine folks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen and non-binary pals of the world, strap in because tonight is going to be a good one, I promise you. Oh, I guess just in case the audience wants to know, I am Scottish, German, English. White as can be. Yeah, be McWhitey, McWhitey. But you're gay, so. <laughs> True, that, that's where I get my, that's where I get my flavor. I get my flavor with a, with a big mo. So yeah, so we have some really great topics. I mean, we're going to let Adolfo lead the way on this one tonight because he's the one that came up with today's topics, and they're pretty awesome. And oh, I can't wait to get into these bad boys. Okay, so, all right, take it away. You got it. All right. So by the time this episode comes out, I at least I hope that the whole DOGL nonsense is tapped down. If not, then then here we go. We're not going to talk about that though, but. I want to talk about a little part of it. So, currently, Wizards of the Coast has put out the OGL 1.2. And one of the things that they seem to be very, in all the iterations of the OGL, that they seem to be very staunch in is this. And I'm reading this straight from the OGL 1.2. No hateful content or you will not include content in your licensed works that is harmful, discriminatory, illegal, obscene or harassing, or engage in contact and conduct that is harmful, discriminatory, illegal, obscene, or harassing. We have the sole right to decide what con- we have the sole right to decide what conduct or content is hateful. And you covenant that you will not contest any such determination via any suit or other legal action. So I'm going to read that last line again because I I stumbled over it, but it's the important one. We have the sole right to decide what conduct or content is hateful. And you covenant that you will not contest any such determination via any suit or other legal action. Now, I, w- I pose this to, to, to my two good friends here. Two things. Number one, should big companies have such sway over this because as you see that's all that they say about hateful content or conduct but they actually don't there is no list saying this is hateful that is hateful so they could very well say gay marriages is illegal in this country over here so that you can't include that type of content because it's hurtful content or or obscene if someone wants to come up with a with a i said it earlier Polyamorous. If someone wants to come up with a polyamorous race, right? Believe it or not, polyamory is frowned upon in some places. Qua. 
So they, wizards, according to the la- that last line there, they have a right to say, nope, sorry, that, that's, uh, that's harmful content. We're, no, stop. So do big, do big businesses have the right to, to have such big game, I should say. I'm sorry. Do big game companies or do game companies have the right to, to hold that type of sway over content creators and players like that? I'm going to point, there's two parts of that I'm going to talk about. The first one is they use the term we, but they don't define who we is. I find that bothersome because I'm like, is this we as in Watsi or is this we as in the big fat cats of Hasbro? Or is this we a really nice, diverse cornucopia of creators who get to sit, will sit around and decide these things? They don't define the we part, and that's troublesome, I think, because as someone looking at it from the outside, I don't know who we is. It's like when people use, oh, when they do this or when they're going to do that. It's like, who are they? I don't understand who you're talking about. So the fact that they don't tell us who we is, that bothers me. And I think that could get into that. I think that's where you're going to get into some hot spots. Is because it was like we didn't define who we are. It's exactly see that that bugs me. The other part is that you can't basically when they make a judgment, they're telling you that you can't come against them for it. I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> that's not going to hold up. So you're going to tell me if you decide that someone creates some kind of neo-Nazi oligarchy race in a game. And then you're going to rule, oh, no, they can do that because everybody else is doing this over here. I'm like, and then I can't come to you and go, excuse me, that's like racist. So that's what they're saying. They're basically saying once we've made a judgment, there's no appealing it, basically. And I don't think that's going to fly. Like, truly, I don't think that's going to fly. I think someone's going to be like, excuse me, you're literally. And see, I think that's where you were talking about earlier. I think that's where it gets sticky. Because then suddenly, and then with the whole like gay marriage or polyamory, businesses have the option to sell in a market or not sell in a market. If they truly are about total inclusivity, then if, for instance, somewhere that I know that like in the Middle East that where gays are outlawed, basically, you wouldn't sell to that area. And so they're not going to buy our products, first of all, because it's going to have this in it. So why even go there? So I think that that's going to be. Unfortunately, I think that's going to be a corporate thing. The corporation has to decide where it stands. And if it's going to stand by its consumers, the majority of its consumers, or is it going to stand by like that one small country that they want to sell their books in, but they can't because there's a polyamorous tribe in there. So I think it's going to be... And I hate the fact that we have to rely on corporations because I hate corporations, hate them with a passion because they only have one thing they want, that's money, and they'll do whatever they have to get it. But I think that, again, going back to my previous statement is I think where we're going to have the problems is that idea of that once they, whoever they are, make a decision, then nobody can countermand that decision. Basically, it's our way or no way. And I think that's troublesome. And then the other thing to keep in mind, at least in the situation with Dungeons and Dragons, is that a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people refer to it as 
not a lifestyle, but a more than just a game. It's a it's and more than just a brand. It's a it's become say, its own it's become its own entity. Yeah. I, it goes beyond just being a game provided by a company and it has evolved into basically it cemented itself a legacy, if you will, in pop culture all over the place. Even if you don't play Dungeons and Dragons, the name alone is enough for people. Okay, they have a frame of reference of what that's about. It's a subculture. Right. There you go. Culture. It's a culture. It's a subculture. And going off what you were saying, Will, in regards to the the country that doesn't allow gay marriage, lest we forget the Dungeons and Dragons movies coming out. And for damn sure that they're going to be released everywhere and then people from that country might go see it and then they might be like oh that was cool and then you might have those people that be like what what was this movie about and then they're that it's what is dungeons and dragons oh it's a game i can play with my friends and then you see now here we go down that down down that down that slope and it's tough and just for clarity's sake i'm just i'm using this because this is the like i said this is a banged on by Watsi and the drum. For full clarity, I do want to say, other than there have been some instances where they have definitely been insensitive, but there have been other instances where Dungeons & Dragons, the creators of Dungeons & Dragons, the people that work in Dungeons & Dragons, I'm not talking about Watsi or Hasbro, but they have, I feel they have proven themselves that they are allies and they are trying. They're trying to do their best. Like I know one of their one of their head writers is non-binary. They released the one the one book recently, which is nothing but modules written by people of color. The Crystal Citadel. And when I've gone to events like Gen Con, I have seen Dungeons and Dragons. Again, not Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, but Dungeons. And, I have seen Dungeons and Dragons stand up for marginalized people. So I don't want. I don't want it to sound like we're beating up on Dungeons and Dragons. What I did want to bring to the fold was do these game creators, all of these game creators, do they have th- this, should they have this type of power? And, and then where, who, wh- where, so where does it end? Cause the door swings both ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's I don't think that, first of all, I don't think we can, I don't think we can put a whole lot of weight on the creators themselves. Now, unless that creator specifically makes something that's super like sketchy, controversial, and they're very proud of it. Then we need to be like, you're a horrible person and you need to be fired. But creators, they're just building something that they love. It's coming from them. They are like, oh, look, I've built this module or I built this, I wrote, I wrote this book and it's all this amazing stuff that will include everybody and everybody can, if you want to play, you know, someone who's differently abled, you can do that. Or if you want to play, you know, this, or you want to play that, it's, it gives you the ability to do it. And then us as consumers, we have to look at that stuff and we have to be the ones that go, hey, this is a great book, but in chapter four, there's something that you probably need to address. And the corporation's not going to do that. They're not going to, hence why, like, when Spelljammer came out, it was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Someone may want to proofread this before they had released it, but okay. But we as consumers, we caught it. And we said, hey, 
this is bad. Corporations are just putting stuff out. They're like, okay, is it ready to go? Okay, let's put it out so we can make some money on it. And I, and again, we're not beating up on on Wizards of the Coast. Not much anyway. But they, in my opinion, they have a responsibility to the community they serve. And this whole TTRPG community, not just D&D, but all the other TTRPGs that are out there, this is a community. All of them have said, hey, we're doing this. This is what we'd love to do. We're a huge community. And when they do something, we're going to call them on it. And I find it irresponsible for, and again, we're just using the current stuff that's going on right now. I find it irresponsible that instead of stepping up and saying, you know what? We screwed up. Our bad. But we've heard you. And we're going to fix this right now. But instead, what they're doing, and yeah, the newest one that came out, it does give a lot of like freedom now. It's okay. It's better than the first one they put out that got leaked. But it still feels like they're trying to do something that they don't have to do, but they want to do it because they want to monetize it. And also, when we talk about, like you mentioned, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which I'm excited for. Honestly, though, the corporations don't have a say in what countries film their or show their film. The countries do, because there's lots of countries like China is one of them. No offense to any Chinese out there, but China is one of those that is very particular about the movies that they allow in. But, um, but they're very powerful when it comes yeah. because that's a lot of money. It's a yeah. lot of money. But they're very much, they have their standards and they're like, I don't want this movie in here because it represents witchcraft or whatever. And that country can basically ban the movie. They'd be stupid too, but they could do it. The corporation's not going to do that. They're going to want to push that bad boy into any place they can get it. Any movie theater they can get it into, any streaming service they can get it on, they're going to shove it in there. It's the, but it, unfortunately, there are some countries that are very much, they would consider Dungeons and Dragons witchcraft, and witchcraft is illegal in their countries. And they therefore wouldn't want, they would not allow the movie to be shown. So, back to my original, to what I was saying earlier, is that as a community, we have to keep them, we have to make them accountable. And that's the thing that I, that, irritates me the most about this whole OGL bullshit that's going on right now. We're good on that, right? <laughs> okay. We're like 30 minutes. Uh, we're, on, okay. we're like 30 minutes in. We're good. Okay, good. I was like, oh crap. See, I told you I lose track of time. You're fine. Is that there's no there was no accountability. They dropped a we're sorry, but which was so like, oh yeah, we're sorry. You because we got caught. That's the thing. It wasn't even a, oh, that was our bad. That thing got out there and it wasn't supposed to. No, it was like, oops, you caught us. <laughs> and that's what irritated me the most. This idea of do creators have that right or do they have the power to do that? If it's yours, if you created it and you can sit there and you can, you're the only one that can defend that truly because you created it. So if I'm, if, some new book came out and it had some sort of like undertones of anti LGBTQIA. I would be like, whoa, hey, dude, or dudette, or non binary pal, did you see this? Did you catch this? Because this could be translated 
in a not so nice way, then I would think that creator would want to be like, would want to know that and be like, whoa, oh, I didn't think about that. Let me correct it. Or let me make a statement telling the community that is not what they meant by it. And that in the next edition of it, it would be corrected. So I think it's okay to give creators that power. Now, when you get into the idea of what is good or what is bad or what is morally wrong, that's your slippery slope. Because morality is subjective. Now, we know that the thing, and I agree with the OGL is clear here. They don't give a list of anything. They don't say, we, want to, we won't tolerate this, which they should put something out. And then they say, then they need to tell them that this list is not complete. So that's the big, is that's the other thing. It's, oh, any controversial this. What does that mean? You need to define these. Just like we, you need to define the, those terms. And they're keeping the language very vague, which is a red flag to me. Yeah. I, it, yeah. Sidebar, can you hear my son in the background crying? No? A little bit? All right. Hopefully you can fix it in post. (laughs) It's all good. Um, Let me start my thought process. And for editing, Mikey, start my thought process in three, two, one. That's that's one of the things that bothers me is that, like you said, well, there's no list, right? Because let's take, for example, incest. All right. Incest. For I feel that it's wrong. I feel that I know y'all enough that y'all feel that it's wrong. But there are some cultures that 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 say that's that that's fine. And historically, where a lot of fantasies is pulled from, historically incest was like an everyday thing, right? So it so like so one can make the case that no, that it that that is harmful that are harmful and illegal. But then someone come along and say, oh, no, you can't kick my, my, according to this, they can't, but a case can be made that, oh, no, you can't do that because historically families were, heck, look at Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? And that was the number one rated TV and had an sexual affair right front, front stage. Something else is child, the child bride thing, which is illegal here in the States. And I, um, just I'm against that. That's whatever. Actually, is it? Do we know if it's illegal in? Because I could have sworn that recently. United States. Yeah, recently, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm sorry for the stereotype, but that like states like Mississippi or Louisiana still technically. There are there are fringe groups out there everywhere that are trying to get laws like that passed. Yeah, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's legal. At least I hope it's not in the United States. But you know, that those people could. Um, Do you want the good news or the bad news? Is there a Can state it, that has it? Fact check us. There are two. Who's the fact checks? Yep. I was just about to do the same thing. I was like, <laughs> Google. It's like fact check. So currently, there are only two states that the legality of incest there's currently only two states with some parameters that is new jersey and rhode island (laughs) wow so really with new jersey the kind of condition for it is that jersey wow you devils jersey devils over here that's fair (laughs) that's fair jesus 
Wow. So what, there are parameters. Please enlighten There are us. parameters. So let me just pull this up real quick. So in New Jersey and Rhode Island, incest between consenting adults. So the parameters are for Rhode Island, it's 16 or over. And for New Jersey, it's 18 or over. It's not a criminal offense, though marriage is not allowed in either state. So obviously the marriage is not okay. legal. So you could have a you could have a relationship. Marriage. Marriage. But even still, I'm just like, oh, okay. That's okay. Alright. Okay. Listen, there are weirder laws that I have seen oh, yeah, through. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I know, I agree with you. Yeah, Texas has got some really crazy. So any of our New Jersey and Rhode Island followers. If you want to enlighten us on any of that, we would love to know more about it. Just because I did not know that. So, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think, again, we talk about morality being subjective. I think it's going to have to be, we're going to have to trust that creators are not going to do that. And it's difficult to trust them at the moment. But... I think we're going to have to trust that these creators are not intentionally putting things out that are going to be like that. It's like a whole that's a whole manual on TRPG incestual relationships. We have to trust that no one's going to do that. Now, I'm t- now we're talking mass marketing. Now, you might have some apparently now in Rhode Island and New Jersey, but you might have some folks up there that are writing their own books. And yeah, that's fine. If it's, I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> so, so I think that's the thing. I think it's, again, it's, if you, I'm very much under, I'm very much about, if you don't like it, don't buy it. If you don't like it, don't go see it. Don't listen to it. Just move on, truly. But the only, it's just don't. But I think it's going to have to be that, unfortunately, because where does it stop? Where does regulation stop? Suddenly we're regulating everything. It's like, you can't do this. Okay, what about this? Okay, you can do that. I've changed my mind. You can't do that anymore. So I think we have to be very careful about putting true regulations on things and just be like, hey, here are the base things that we will not allow, but this is not, this list can be added to or something of that nature, but they need to list out the things that they yeah like anti-trans anti-gay anti any type of discrimination uh whether it's against people of color or whatever or racism or bigotry and things of that nature you need to tell people that you're these are the things that that will absolutely be a no-go and then things like the like the polyamory and stuff like that would be a case-by-case basis because Polyamory these days is really not looked bad upon. It used to be. It used to be bad. Yeah. I think it's because it's not really understood. But I think it is more now because we're starting to see more polyamorous people like coming out of the woodwork. And people I, are kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I actually, there was an article, I didn't click on it, but I did see it that apparently more and more marriages nowadays are opening up to polyamory yeah which i find which i find because believe it or not even though i'm a monogamous but believe it or not as a species it's what we do it is it's within our nature to to mate with as many people as possible to create as many progeny as possible i mean it's the animal nature in us i think that's why polyamory is so 
becoming so popular. I think we're, people are starting to accept their animal nature, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I have several friends that are polyamorous, and they are perfectly happy. Yeah. I'm just not one of those people that can do that because I get jealous very easily. That's just that's way too much energy for me. You can. And that's like my kids. I'm like no. Yeah, I just know that's just too much work. <laughs> too, too way too much work. Way too much. Work. Back to our point. So that's for another I, episode. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think I would create a tribe of poly peoples. I don't think there's an. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think where we get into the wrongness of it is when we start doing graphic detail, because I, I think it's also with like gay and lesbian characters. It's we don't people don't get into the areas until it starts getting like super like uncomfortable. If you have, for instance, in my campaign on Monday nights, we have this sort of two characters that have bonded, and they're two male characters and male identifying characters, and I think it's quite innocent. Actually, it's quite nice. And it, there, it's not at all filthy, and it's not. And I think it's that's where it, I think that's where it gets hairy is when it gets into the people start telling us details. And I'm very much not a detail person when it comes to that sort of thing. Even with straight people, I don't want to know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, but you don't need to tell me about it. So I think I think that's where we're going to get. I think that's where you get into the trouble is when you start getting into the details. So you could do polyamory and be like, hey, this is these are my wives or husbands or whatever's and be perfectly fine. Because there are a lot of, to be honest, there are a lot of native tribes where you do have more than one wife. Yep. So it's not like we're creating something that this has been around a long time. This is so I think, it, again, this is where it gets into the morality is subjective. We tend to put our own morality on a game. That is fantasy based, which means it could be anything. So, my whatever, my say, I'll say my Catholicism. Do I take my Catholicism and put it on my game and no one can get divorced and this, that, and the other? No, I'm not going to do that. One, you limit it. And I think, I think most people would not do that because it's a fantasy game. You're living in a world better than the one you live in. And I think we see a lot of that. So I think a lot of that, do they have, a, do, should they have that power? I don't think they have that power. I don't think the community would let them have that power. Even with this new OGL they're releasing, this whole, you can't contest it. I guarantee you the community would test it. You throw something out, you make a bad judgment call, which we all know that you are capable of doing. Then yeah, we're going to call you on it. And I think that's where I think that's where they're going to go have to go back and relook at the language and be like, this is probably problematic. Yeah. So I'm now talking a lot. Uh, I, I, that's <laughs> it's good. It's been good. So now this clause, right? If down the line this becomes the new gaming license that wizards use and this type this clause with this clause with this verbiage is still in there and it becomes official do you see other gaming companies both the tabletop and video game and whatnot do you see them use this as a, a blueprint if you will and trying to shoehorn this type of morality clause into their contracts Ow. No, I don't think anyone's going to use anything that Watsy puts out as anything, except maybe toilet paper. 
because even the third party publishers that are out there already who already got burned, they're like, we're going to do our own like Cobalt Press. I'll use them as an example. They're creating their own that they're like, absolutely anyone can use and we don't care. No clause, no ifs, ands, or buts. You want it, use it. So in video games, no. (laughs) Video games make their bread and butter by being controversial. I just want to use your music. Come on. I know, right? <laughs> That's a different topic entirely, which I can yeah. ooh, I get heated I about. Agree with you, though. Video games have using music. So anyway, back to our topic. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think so. I don't think that I say I don't think so, but I'm gonna see somebody doing it. But the ones who got burned by them would never. They're already we're not using anything they put out. Yeah. We're not backing anything they put out. We're not we're going to create our own thing. You can use ours anytime you want. No restrictions, no hidden clauses, no anything. So I think that I think this thing that they're putting out is going to be for them only. And I don't think it's going to, again, this is 1.2. I'm pretty sure we're going to see a 1.3 coming out soon, too. Oh, yeah. After the whole rigmarole. But I just, the other day, I took a step back and just thought of every thought of this whole situation as a whole and especially like with this morality clause it there's some there, there's heavy language in there and yeah. that could have some lasting and impactful ramifications if <laughs> left unchecked because i feel the way it stands now it can be very easily used even though they're trying to frame it as a good thing it can be very to down marginalized yeah. groups even oh more. yeah um, Absolutely. And and then knowing all the hoops that are running around now, doing what they can to put down marginalized groups, they'll grab onto something like grab on something like this, and this will be their freaking all you can eat buffet for the next year. Sure. That's very um, true. And uh, yeah, I would like to see this type of verbiage, these types of morality clauses. I would like to see them not be there. Yeah. I agree. Good, bad, or indifferent, because unfortunately you do then leave it open. But then on the flip side, and a lot of people have made this point that at any point, like even with the first OGL wizards, if someone came out with a third party mod, that was, that was really discriminatory that had, that was like, you, you were the boss of a bunch of brown skinned individuals that worked in the back of your kitchen and you had to keep them down. Like, they they already had the right to go and pretty much cease and desist them and mm-hmm. say they couldn't make it anymore. So that's another like, why are we putting this in black and white if it's something that you could always do? So that def- that so that definition mora- that definition morality it, it just it's yeah. very fickle and very sticky. I think also it's they should have just said we won't tolerate any type of intolerance yeah. and just did it that. As opposed to, if we make a decision on this, then you can't contest it, basically. See, there that's where I have the problem. I don't yeah. mind the verbiage up until that point. Then exactly. suddenly it's, if we make a ruling on it, then you have to live with it. Yep. And, and that's we what I'm have like, the school to decide what conduct is. Yeah. Or content it's is like, forward. That's, yeah. That's where the troubling, that's where it gets troubling. Yeah. So, Mikey, you've been awfully quiet this episode. So why don't we let you talk for a little bit? Because, uh, oh boy, I've been kind of just listening to everything that's been presented so far, but here's where I, this is where I stand with it. 
and not even just keeping it to this OGL Wizards of the Coast all the thing that's been going on but there's a saying that I like to say a lot that history doesn't repeat itself but it damn sure does echo it and so while it's not to the extent of more serious parts of history there's such a danger when it comes to policing what you can and can't do especially if there isn't an established organized list of the hard nose first as i call them like the hard nose be like this is not what we this is not what it can be about xyz whatever you want to do it because then without that you tend to fall victim to Again, history repeats itself. If you look at various parts of history and all aspects of things, not just what you can create and what you can't create, but it goes back to certain regimes across the historical periods that try to monopolize and try to control a society and what they can do. And I think for me, there's very dangerous aspects of it. And this is where I'm coming from for it. So I'm going to use me for an example. So at the time of this recording, this is uh, we shall see if this ever comes to fruition or not, but whatever. So like for me, so let's use an example. I am in the middle of I was having a talk with a friend of mine and, you know, I've been recently over the weekend, I've been playing a lot of new video games that I got for me, Fire Emblem Engage. And one aspect that I really love about this game is that the story is set in this fictional world where there's five different kingdoms, but each kingdom represents a different culture. And that's my jam. So one kingdom is like closely to the Netherlands. And one is very like ancient Middle Eastern kingdoms like Arabia and ancient Arabian. Like basically what happens when you throw in a thousand and one Arabian nights into a video game. One is based off more and see. The list could go on. So I got to thinking, I was like, you know what? One of the things I really love in any of my games is I like to bring inspiration into my games and have them based on different cultures that I love and admire. The problem is going back to what we're talking about. If I'm told that I'm not allowed to include these cultures and it could be something to the point where it could get to the point, be like, you can't use these cultures because you're not of that culture. I'm like, then, okay. So you're telling a marginalized person that, it's already marginalized by the world and becomes further marginalized because I'm not allowed to show my appreciation for cultures across the continent, across the world. And that's the issue right there is that if you're policing what people can and can't do, it just narrows the road, so to speak, for those of us that are disenfranchised and marginalized as it is. And then if you put even more of a tight constriction of what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to have, it just makes it even harder for us to make headway in the world. Look, I'm not, I might be naive when it comes to certain things, but I'm also, I'm a realist when it comes to the ways of the world. In every aspect of my life, whether people agree with it or not, I have to work 10 times as harder as my non-melanin counterpart individuals. No shade to that because I love them because I have some really good ones who have been rocking with me since day one. But I know that I have to work 10 times harder in order to be seen on an equal playing field. Now, if you're going to take that idea and put it into something that is meant to bring me joy when I'm allowed to be creative and use that creative outlet, then that's where I have an issue with it. Because it's already hard enough to make headway in a space where you're working 10 times harder 
And by being told I'm not allowed to do certain things, it just makes that road to push through the door even more and more narrow. That's where I'm coming from. Again, I want to preface by saying this is my personal opinion, and this should not be taken as a generalization for the group of people or individuals that I tend to represent, whether it be Mexican, Puerto Rican, those of us under the age of 20. But there's such a danger when it comes to all that stuff. This is true. I agree with you. Yeah, totally. I think it's one of those. I'm, I'm, that's why I was saying, where does regulation become too much regulation? If you start regulating, when does it stop? And I think in one of the examples that I used previously was in the original leaked OGL when they talked about, I think it was $750,000 is where they would start taking their, their cut or whatever it is. And then it's, okay, well, then when does it suddenly become 250000 Right. Then one hundred and fifty. Then right. suddenly 50,000. It's where when you start regulating, you're right. Once you start regulating, you can't stop because it's, oh, we said you can't do this. And this person brought this up to us. So since we told you you couldn't do that, now you can't do this. Oh, now someone else has brought something to us and now you can't do that anymore. And then, it, then at that point, then why are you even still playing? That's my thing. That's a lot of people when they put out like these, they make their players like sign off on these weird consent things, not consent forms, but what's the thing, code of conducts and stuff. And it's going to be very careful about that because yeah, if you're going to make a code of conduct and you're going to regulate things, it needs to be things that make sense and not just things that you personally do not appreciate or don't morally on your moral your moral grounds. These are the 500 things that you can't do while here. But who wants to be there? That's over-regulation. You know, my, my thing is don't be a dick. Truly. Don't be a racist fuck. Give everybody a chance. Let, you know, if people want to be gay, let them be gay. They want to be trans, let them be trans. They want to be this, they want to let them be. Stop regulating. Because you have some sort of, and it could be anything. It could be their personal morals or because they think that, oh, I'm, a, I'm doing this as a business, so I have to make sure to protect everybody. You can't protect everybody. Because guess what? Somebody's going to have a problem with something all the time. And you have to decide which hills do you want to die on. Because this is a stupid example, but it's like suddenly you have someone come to you and go, oh, I don't like purple flowers. So you can't, you can't have any purple flowers in any of your games. I'm like, that's dumb. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to do that. If you don't like purple flowers, then don't play in that game. Now, if it's someone going, hey, you have a character in your thing that's completely racist and this, that, and the other, then absolutely. But we as creators, we have to make those calls. Because I'm not going to regulate. That's not, I don't do that. If you want to do it, we're going to do it. Unless, again, unless it goes against like natural code, like you want to play a Nazi, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but I'm not going to regulate because you're right. Where does it stop? If I start regulating, then one, you're probably going to have an extreme party of boring characters. And who wants to do that, honestly? I don't so, want to play a boring character. Do you want to play a boring character? No, so that's... Don't regulate me, bitch. <laughs> so then, okay, so let's turn a page in the conversation then. So, because you bring up a good point, because 
like we've been talking about, regulation of this kind of thing is dangerous, especially if there's no set in place, like what are the absolute nots, like that kind of stuff. So then, and you brought up is that as game masters, for you specifically, Will, brought up that you're not here to regulate, which I agree with. Then I think as game masters, there is still a responsibility, not necessarily regulate. So I'll use me as an example. I don't regulate what my players want to do. Now, granted, I feel that most of my players, they trust me enough that if they have an idea, we can work with it. I definitely want to know. And if that's something that they want to do, I'm more than willing to work with them. But I think the important thing, and this kind of goes into a little bit, taking it more down a micro scale, if you will. I think as game masters, we do have a responsibility to set the expectations. Because granted, there it's common knowledge that there are certain things that are absolute knots across the board as a kind of commonality thing. Don't be racist. Don't be homophobic. Don't be xenophobic. Don't be prejudicial to a certain extent. Like the absolute like common things that should be common sense. We've all at some point encountered what we thought was commonplace and then people out there don't think so, which is weird. But that's a different conversation. But back to my point, I don't see it as necessarily regulation, but I do think that as game masters, we have a responsibility to set expectations at the table. For example, I will put my Sunday group on blast just a tiny bit. So we're deep in this campaign that has been going on for almost a year and a half now. But when I started this adventure, one of the things for all my games that I like to do is I let my players know at character creation and even a little bit before them be like, this is what you can expect from my game. These are my absolute no's. And if they ever come up, that's immediate. Nah, you're gone. And they're the simple things like I talked about is if you are. If your character or you as a person are homophobic, racist, whatever, towards another character in game or IRL, you're gone from my table that I don't tolerate that at all. But then when you get into the more nitty gritty of things, I set my expectations like for Sunday. I was like, okay, my Sunday game, here's what you're going to expect. There are going to be some pirates involved, which means that all that stuff that comes with it. So looting of villages. There might be some property damage. Some people might get hurt along the way. As historically, we know with pirates is they like some of them, not all of them, but some of them like raid villages, they steal and leave a mess in the wake. So that's going to happen. And then to take it a further, I always allow my players to explore whatever caveats they want to. One of my players decided that his character is a an escaped Coliseum filer and it touched on Things of indentured servitude and slavery and forced labor and all that stuff. So when you get to stuff like that, I think that's where a conversation needs to be had between player and DM. And if it is something that you're going to address in your game, and then you need to do your due diligence and handle it responsibly. Now, when I bring this up, my I don't want to say my player was just like, yeah, I want to be a slave. I'm like, that's not how it was. But he comes from a background where he was forced to fight for entertainment. So in that kind of way. But now he's on the run because he escaped from it. And exploring that background in the context of the overall narrative, there was a bit of the campaign where they found a ship that belonged to the kingdom he was on the run from. And to just just to narratively describe what was found on 
like a trader ship, like cages and cups, all that kind of stuff. Now, I'll be honest, I was nervous and I was a little terrified because I didn't want to touch that kind of stuff because I didn't know how it would be perceived, especially when you have a POC creator kind of playing into those things. But I think it turned out very well, but that's because there were expectations that me and the player talked about. These are the things that I'm not willing to discuss and what I'm not going to touch upon when it comes to this type of issue. And then we came to an understanding of, okay, this is how we can go about it. Let's do our research. Let's figure out a way to narratively make it make sense to have the impact it needs to without going into too much detail. And I think that's where the responsibility comes, where expectations need to be set both before game and as the game goes on. It's a constant evolving conversation with your players and just overall in general. And that's where I stand. I agree. I agree with that to a point. Not to a point. I agree with it. What I was saying is I think also, like for me as well, I've been running. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Turn that off while I'm talking about this. I think that because, like, for instance, I've been running my campaign for well over for several years. <laughs> and as a GM, I think you if you've been playing with your players long enough, you know them. If you're, if you're starting a whole brand new game and you don't know any of the players, which is very rare in our community. Because usually we either know them somewhat, or we know of them, and we know a little bit about what they like, what they don't like, et cetera, et cetera. Usually when we invite people into our onto our table, it's usually it's like, hey, I've watched you play. I like what you got going on, or I've played with you. Would you like to play this game with me? Blah, blah, blah. So I agree. And I think, so if I was to start another game, another campaign with you guys, because Mikey's in my campaign. I wouldn't have to deal with that because I know. And I think that's our responsibility as, as not just DMs, GMs, but as players and people, to be honest, is we've got to get to know each other. You can't just be strangers around a table. You've got to learn what each other can and can't handle, what each other likes. And that's why I like the consent and gaming form, because you can get a basic idea of what people, where their limits are. And that's awesome. Now, I will, I'm going to touch on this, and this is probably going to be a very controversial opinion, but I don't really care. When it comes to topics, like dealing with topics, like we'll say, because you mentioned it, slavery or indentured servitude, whatever. Was it indentured servitude? Is that what it was? Yeah, that's uh, the, oh, he was a that's the better way. Right? Yeah, so that's, a, yeah, so that's okay. a better way of putting it. Okay. But in all actuality, he was basically a slave. That is correct. Yeah, that is okay. the verbiage that we used as well. So. Here is, here's my take on it. Things like that happen in the world. No matter what world you have, it's going to happen. So I don't think we as players or game masters or whoever, we should shy away from the topic. We don't, we should not act in the topic. Like having a backstory where your character was enslaved, I don't think is a bad thing. Because, and the reason I say that, is it helps us show the show of the viewers or whoever's playing that's something that's not tolerated in this world. It doesn't say it doesn't happen, because I would love to say slavery doesn't happen in the modern world, but it does. We shouldn't not talk about it, <laughs> because when you don't talk about it, it continues to happen. And I think a lot of people believe that, oh, if we just don't talk about these things, then we don't have to worry about these things. 
Yeah. And in like in my campaign, it's happening. The and it's unfortunately the luck of the roll. The Dragonborns are the ones that are doing it. They had the slave trade. They did. We don't live there in it. We haven't like you got none of you guys have been taken and turned into slaves. So we don't live in that subject. But we have to acknowledge those subjects. Because to not acknowledge them is to basically say they don't exist. Another one I'll talk, touch on, because we've had it, was a Holocaust. It happens. You have to, you can't skirt around it. You have to be like, this happened. And the operative word in that statement is happened. We can't forget that it happened. Our current mission is to prevent that from happening again. So you see by... But if we just ignore those things, then we're basically saying this is a perfect world and horrible things don't happen. And I think we, as storytellers, because this is coming from a theater person, storyteller telling stories is the way that you keep people informed of their history. Good or bad, doesn't matter. So we as storytellers, we have to, in order to make a world that is believable, you have to have horrible things in it. It can't be all good. Otherwise, it's a utopia and it's boring. So you have to have the BG who has done some horrible thing. And it's all scale-worthy down here as opposed to one up here. But they've all done something that makes us want to fight for good. Now, we don't live in that. So it's, they cause some sort of genocide. We're not living in that genocide. We're just saying that we got to make sure that doesn't happen again. But it happened. It's part of our history. And I think we, and again, I'm using this more as us as storytellers, we have to make sure that we keep that in our stories, even if it is just a fantasy world, even if it is Orlea or wherever, bad things happen. There's a history. And you can look back on those bad things, but you can also look good. You can look back on the good things, like when slavery was abolished. <laughs> we don't have to focus on one or the other. We can focus on both of them. So I think that's where we get into. I think that's where you can get into trouble if you just choose to ignore it altogether. So I think it's great that he has a backstory where his character was basically was a not basically was a slave, and I think it's wonderful and how that character. I think that to see the story of how that character overcomes that because you don't just wake up one morning and you're like I'm good now. Sure. So I think and I so I totally agree. And I but yes, I think you should talk to your table, your players about these subjects. Hey, these are in the world. I do. I usually tell I tell people, hey, bad things happened here. Not just good things. And where you may be across the world, something really horrible is happening. Because that's just the way it's some warlord is like destroying a village somewhere. It happens. So I agree. I think that it's important that we you talk to your players. Absolutely. You do I think the consent and gaming forms are fantastic. I think because that sets where people's Limits are phobias, whatever things of that nature. So yeah, I think that. So I agree with you completely. I, absolutely everything you talk about, I agree. I'm just an yeah. old man, and I say it differently. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I totally. And, agree. I, and I think the perspective I'm coming from too. So I also use the cons the RPG consent list, which is something that another person introduced to me, and I love it to death. Not only for my players, but I love watching other DMs use it. And going back to it. You're right. 
especially it's that important bit that you vocalize. This is that we don't live in that moment in the game. Nope. It happened with the keyword being happened. That's it. And from a personal standpoint, like if I will leave a link to the RPG checklist at the comments of this video, so y'all can check it out and look it over to go into more detail. Yeah, I was going to ask if we could do that. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. I think it's a great tool for every mm -hmm. game master, whatever game. It doesn't even have to be Dungeons and Dragons. Any game that you are running is a good idea. Now, of course, not every game that you run is going to have all said topics, but it is still important to get a gauge to know what buttons and what lines not to cross. Now, and this is just a personal soapbox moment, so I ask you bear with me. So when it comes to most things, like you don't want to ignore it. But there are a few things if listening audience, you look at the checklist, like just because of personal experience, the, like absolute not that I don't want to address certain things in game, not because they don't happen, but just because of the proximity of the personal experience. Like for me on that consent checklist, one of the, there are really only three things that are absolutely no's for me. And I, as a player, I do not want in my game, but that's just because of certain things. Like harm to animals and children is absolutely no. Big no for me, just because for animals, I have a big heart and it hurts me to see animals in pain. And because of my profession and I do work with children, I, as a teacher, it's always horrifying to see your students who go through those kind of things and having had personal experiences in the past of my teaching career where that has happened, that's like absolutely not. And then a big one for me too is when it comes to things like sexual assault. Now, thankfully it has not happened to me, but again, with that proximity effect, it has happened to someone in my immediate family and watching that process and the emotional turmoil and the road to healing of all that is it was very taxing and while it hasn't happened to me just because I understand and I'm empathetic towards this immediate person who went through that, but witnessing it as it was going on happening in front of me, that is the, that is something I, even if it's not necessarily ignoring it, but just because of the emotional investiture and just the prop turmoil that period of time was that's something I would not like to revisit. But again, that's just a personal thing. And the only way I would ever consider it is if there was a lengthy discussion at hand and just what is the intention behind it? Because I, I always my biggest thing is what is your intention behind introducing something into the world? Now, if you're doing it for shock value, then I'm like, I'm gone. I'm out. Nope. But if it serves a purpose narratively, or if it's to make something, if it's to make the story beat, it enhances it in any way, which means that it helps a person overcome it, then I'm all for it. But again, that's just a personal thing for me. There's certain things that personally I don't want. And those are really the only three things that if they are used extensively or especially that third part that I mentioned that is used. I'm like, nah, I got to walk away with this. And like I have to. <laughs> yeah. So to, to wrap this topic up, these type of morality club, like we see in the OGL, I, do we, do we feel that instead of the companies or the game, the game creators or whatnot, instead of them having some sort of morality clause, that it should be something that should be handled from table to table. 
from game to game? I think, like I said, I think that they need to be like, basically, don't be a dick. Don't be a racist son of a bitch. It needs to be a statement like that, but not the way they have it. Because right now, they truly have it. They're like, oh, yeah, don't be a dick. But if we rule that you weren't being a dick, then no one can basically appeal that. See, that's where the clause gets foggy. All they needed to say is do not, don't, just basically be tolerant. Don't be intolerant. And and they should take it on a case-by-case basis. That's what they, that's what they need to put in there. So all things will be taken on a case-by-case basis. And not trying to do a blanket statement because blanket statements don't work. They're too broad. And again, this, so I think they need to relook at that language and stop trying to be morality police because that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like they're trying to be, oh, we want to be tolerant. We want to be inclusive. I think it's, it's them saying that we want to be the morality police. And whose morals are we going based on? That's the other thing. Are yours the companies? Because if that's the case, then we could just do anything we wanted. But whose mor- whose morality are we basing these on? Because to me, that's what it's that's what it sounds like. It literally sounds like they want to be the morality police, and I have a problem with that because <laughs> I don't know whose morals we're basing this on. I have morals, but I'm not. I don't have a stick up my ass. It's like I get things that I don't care about. You want to do that? That's cool. Go for it. You want to do that? That's cool. Go for it. You want to do that? That kind of touches some boundaries that probably some people will have problems with. Let's discuss it and maybe we can alter it a little bit. But I'm not, one, I'm not your mama. I'm not your daddy. You come to the table with something that's problematic, then we're going to have a problem. Like Mike would say, you come, to a, you come to the table and you don't discuss it with anyone, but you come to the table and all of a sudden you've got this character who had some serious essay in their backstory and it affects who they are, you can't play with that. So I don't think that the company has a right to police that. One, I think when you police stuff like that, you're basically, again, you're saying that to me as a company, you don't matter. Your trauma does not matter to me. And so they need to stay out of that. That needs to be between the player and their GM and the table as a whole. Because when you bring in things like SA or sexual assault, that needs to be a table discussion because there could, you don't know who at your table has that in their back, their real life back background. So that's a discussion amongst a table. That is not a discussion amongst a corporation. Because we as the players, we have to watch out for each other. We have to nurture and protect one another. And the way we do that is by talking to each other. Hey, here, fill out this form and fill it out honestly. That's the only way it works, folks, is if you fill out the consenting and gaming form honestly. Mm. Like, if there's an actual hard no, you need to say it's a hard no. And if you want to explain, you're welcome to. There's a, I think there's a place in this forum where you can actually explain if you want to. Yeah. But that's totally up to you. It's optional. It's not mandatory. But I would talk to your GM and tell them why. And you, as a GM, if I look at a, if I look consent in gaming form and I see a hard no, I will ask about it because I want to be informed. 
And that's mainly, and it's not because I'm being like Snoopy. It's literally, I don't want to put something in the game that's going to trigger something. So I need to know specifics, but I need to know, can you tell me a little bit about it? Because the specifics are not my business. But, and it's important that the table talks to each other. Because if you have a phobia and you don't say you have a phobia, there's nothing I can do about that. And I'll just take spiders being the most common one. Spiders are big in D&D or TTRPGs. There's a lot of them that have them. So if you don't tell people, hey, I have a really bad arachnophobia until the day of the game, then it's like, why don't you tell me that like way early? So that's why it's important that I think the table needs to have conversations. And be like, hey, if you've got a phobia, we need to, we need, I as the game, per, as the game master or chaos facilitator or whatever you call yourself, I need to know those things because I don't want to put gigantic wolf spiders in my next session, especially if you're deathly afraid of them. Because even, because I have friends who are like, even if you describe them, it will freak them out. So you've got to have those conversations. And again, that's not a corporation conversation. So the corporate office has no, I do not believe they have any right in policing that. You can come out with a statement that basically says that we are going to be tolerant of all peoples. Any indiscretions will be handled on a case-by-case basis. And that's it. Don't sit there and say, once we make a decision, you're going to live with it. Because they're going to lose people again. This is the thing. They've got to, they've got to get away from the harsh language. They've got to get away from the it's our way or the highway language which they're still working on. No, I don't think that a corporation has a right to police morals. I think they need to basically put a blanket statement, or not a blanket statement, but a specific statement that says, we are a company of, for that is for, or a company that is against intolerance, and intolerance will not be tolerated. And if you want to give specifics, like racism, anti-gay, lesbian, or anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans, yeah, that's fine. Hit the big ones and then put in there that any others would be based on a case-by-case. And then then they have to have a process in place, and we have to trust that process. But I don't think they should put a statement out basically saying that we're going to be the moral police, and you're going to like it or not. So that's my 50 cents. All right. All right, shall we move on to next topic? Okay. Did, did you guys have a topic? I thought y'all, someone had another I think topic. it all falls into the same. It's about yeah. inclusivity and gaming, but what you the topic that you mentioned earlier fits right into it. Oh. Yeah. Let's do it. The, really quick, really quick sidebar. Did I ever tell you guys about the Chaos Cobalt, the Cobalt Chaos Coalition? Why does that name sound very familiar? Yeah, I know. That sounds familiar. Okay. Did you tell um, us about it? Maybe. But I don't, I'll, I don't I'll know. Why don't you again. tell us again? So the Cobalt Chaos Coalition is something I do in my my homebrew games, and they are they are monochromatic cobalts that follow certain monochromatic heads of Tiamat: the blue head, the red head, the white, the black head. But most of the time, when, oh man, I'm a terrible person. Most of the time, when I have them show up, they're white cobalts, and the way that they spell their name is all with K's. The Cobalt Chaos Coalition. And they all wear robes and hoods like your stereotypical cultists would. And I, man, I use those as 
like cannon fodder and just just to, to vent off some i think some, he told us about this i think i remember this yeah i think i, I remember feel like this. i remember this yeah yeah i just i, I love I, that I, I always find it very amusing whenever introduce it in a game so for example i i dm'd a very a very on the spot game when i was performing at the North Dakota Renaissance Fair last year. I mean, it was a game involving not only performers that were performing in the in Ren Fair, but the producer that, that sunk money into this fair. And they show up, they all show up at the table. And I had them come across a group of the Cobalt Chaos Coalition, which spell their name with all K's. Yep. Okay. okay. Now okay. I remember this conversation. I do too. And, um, and just like, the, the like it, oh, I always get tickled pink. The slow realization <laughs> when people realize yeah, what they are funny. or what they're a proxy <laughs> of, if you will. And I also make them act just like the stereotypical it, individuals yeah. from that right. group. They they all just I tell you. Let me tell you something, boy. My white dragon. My white dragon is better than your whatever you want to call it, as a god. Okay, that's my white, white dragon. dragon. And like I said, they are cannon fodder. And yeah, yeah, that's so. It's just a quick sidebar from your friendly neighborhood Puerto Rican. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I remember this conversation now, and it's still a great time. Oh, still a good time to hear. It is. It's fantastic. I feel Watsy would ding me <laughs> for this. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Currently, yes. Well, no, they'd love you because they'd want to own it. And then once they owned it, then they would be like, oh, right. this is horrible. Right. This is trash. You're, you're that creator is a horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to monetize it. Okay. So then to, I guess, to the last topic for tonight is in our games, when we play, most people, we play as that hero archetype of who we want to be. Right, meaning that they have all their functioning limbs, all their facilities, this, that, and the other. However, take let's take for example, if someone who was in a wheelchair roll, came to the table and they didn't want to necessarily play a stereotypical individual that legs, they wanted to play a hero, but that was in a wheelchair as well as dms because we're all because uh, we're all facilitators as chaos facil i just like that i'm going to steal that as chaos facilitators what ways could you make the game more accessible for those with those disabilities and i'm just using the wheelchair as an all those disabilities and another point are there some games where that there, there's already like a rule set in place in the game to be able to play a character that that has that oh, type no, of disability and whatnot. What do we think? So let's start with the game that that we all game master mostly and is the big one in the room. Let's start with Dungeons and Dragons. Where, as a chaos facilitator in Dungeons and Dragons, where, how can we make the game more accessible for people with disabilities? It's not hard. But I think where you get the difficulty is those people who you trying to get those people to actually do it. Like you have those traditionalists. Every community has them that just don't want to change. They don't want to do it. 
They just they won't let this particular type of character, that type of character, blah 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 blah. But as a as myself, I'm like, if I had a player that was in a wheelchair and they wanted to come, they wanted to play a character in a wheelchair, and then I'm going to do anything I can possibly do to make it happen. We'll homebrew a wheelchair. We'll homebrew a, an artificed wheelchair. Why not that? I mean, it's anything, even even if we don't, if we go outside of wheelchairs, because wheelchairs, I think, is one of those easier ones that it you is. can, because you, you could you can make things accessible easily for a wheelchair. But then you have like blind people who are blind. Then it's just a matter of adapting, because if there's any type of their spell book would be in Braille, there would be messages on walls in Braille. So they could read it, and you'd make Braille basically a, a common language. I would make it a common language. Okay. So everybody would un- be able to understand, write in it, read it, that sort of thing. But one of the one of the things I did early on, we had a character named Jolyn in the Orlea campaign, and she was mute, and she used sign language. Now, I, I made sign language, and I did this on purpose. I made sign language a language that could not be translated by any spell or comprehend languages. It wouldn't work. So you learn ASL to, in order to speak to the character. So I, we created it where you had to, you took so many, it took you so long to learn the basics. And so you had to like learn a whole new language. And I think that's how we do it. We just do it. We talk to our players who want to do these things. And I, I won't lie, I, one of the characters that I want to play next in a game is a blind character. I created a blind god for one of Mikey's, uh, Mikey's one-shot. And yeah, he uses his familiar as his eyes, but, but he's blind. You can't see. Right. If he didn't have his familiar, he would be blind. You would not be able to see at all. So... I think it's it is just our responsibility to make it happen. So if it is okay with my co-hosts, I would to add to this conversation, I would also like to plug a project that I recently shared with a few people that kind of is a quote about this. I think so. I was one of those people that was always hesitant to include stuff in that game, not because I didn't want it. But from the perspective of because I am a lot younger and there's I overanalyze a lot of things half the time. Like, for example, if I wanted a player, if a player wanted to play someone who was in a wheelchair, like me personally, I don't have an issue with it. I think that's awesome because it gives a nuance and it gives different opportunities to showcase that and to lift it up and all that kind of stuff. But I was so hes- before I was really hesitant to include that because then I don't want, especially in this day and age, you ride that fine line of if you have a ableist player play a character in a wheelchair and there are people who live in a wheelchair, it's, it could get murky. But I think that goes back to, again, one, what is the intentions behind it with the player wanting to do? Number two, a conversation needs to be had at the table and then just go from there. But I would like to. If you are worried about how that works and if you're not sure of the nuances of what that includes, if you want to include not just that, but any type of I want to say I'm looking for the right word, not challenge, not obstacle, but basically any type of disability out there. I do want to plug the Limitless Heroics book that I recently received 
which not only goes into explaining if you want your character. And this is what I shared with you, Will, like a couple weeks back of all the different, basically all the different disabilities that are out there in the world. And why I want to plug this book and I support it is one, the team behind the project actually did their research. And there's actual like research in their book be like, according to this or according to this medical journal, this is how this is described. This is what it affects. And then it offers tips of how if you want, if a player wants to incorporate it, there are tips using this research. Be like, this is how it mechanically works, but this is how to do it in a tasteful way, (laughs) which I appreciate. And I think it's something that I have never seen in my short time being around the TTRPG. But there are ways to do it. And I think it just boils down to, for me personally, intention and then conversation. And once those two things are good to go, I feel that it just opens up the door for lots of possibilities to highlight these things that are in the real world. There are people in wheelchairs. There are people who are blind and there are people who have a variety of other things. But I think I'm at the point where I'm with Will on this one. I think these are things that we shouldn't shy away from. But it should always be what is the intention behind it? And then also, once a conversation is had, then you just go from there. Is that a research? Is that a 5e book? Oh, yes. I have a PDF. That's great. I'll I'll slide you an email. (laughs) Is this a third party content creator? (gasps) Scandal. (gasps) Right. That's okay. Watsi is going to come for you. Okay. They're at my door. Oh, no. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't, I never yeah. knew that that book exists. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I actually. Yeah. The things you find on Facebook advertisements. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I'm going to put on this a little bit. And this is not disability, but it does. I want to go back to the idea of stereotypes. Is that we have to be very, that's one thing we have to be very careful of. And if you're going to play a character with any type of disability, then one, you need to do your research. But two, you have to play it honestly, not, oh, this is what this person is like, because this is the idea of that person. You know, like it's, for instance, if anyone wants to, at my table, if anyone wants to play a gay character, I immediately, the first thing I come out that comes out of my mouth is, is it cannot be a stereotype. I'm not saying that the limp-wristed screaming queens don't exist, because they do. Because uh- because our community is vast and there are many versions of us. But if you're going to play a gay character, they have to be played honestly, not stereotypically. And it's the same thing with any type of disability. If you're going to play any type of character with a disability, you have to play it honestly. And if you don't think you can, then you don't play it. That's just the way that is. It's, oh, I want to play a character in a wheelchair. Okay, you need to research about the, the difficulties that people in wheelchairs go through because they're out there. There's plenty of studies. There's plenty of books. There's plenty of articles on the internet. Go look it up. Do your due diligence and research these things because it's the only way you're going to play a character right is if you understand what you're playing. So the book that Mikey mentioned, absolutely, because and it's about, I was wondering when someone was going to get around to it, because it's important that we, as the head of that, of whatever table we are at, we are running a game of any kind. And a player wants to play anyone with any type of whatever disability they have or whatever, if they want to play someone 
Uh, and this is going to be an extreme example, and I would probably never let anyone actually do this, but say they wanted to play a character who had Down syndrome. It would be very, very easy to make that character stereotypical. Yes. So you have to understand what a person with Down syndrome is. And there's a huge spectrum. They're not all the same. So it would be, to me, again, as, a, as me, I would never let that happen. But if, But say you had a Down syndrome player come to your table and they wanted their character to be have down syndrome yep they would be i would still tell them you have to be careful not to make it a stereotype even though it you have firsthand knowledge of it but we need to under even me i would need to understand it so that i don't treat it like a stereotype and so the other people in at the table don't treat it as a mm-hmm. stereotype as well correct correct all right so now other than the book, Mikey, what was the name of the book again? The book is Limitless Heroics, and it is made. I want to make sure I give shout outs to the proper company and all that stuff. Give me a sec. So the book is Limitless Heroics by Wormworks Publishing. And yeah, it's really good. I will provide a link. In, it is out on Drive-Thru RPG, where you can buy the PDF, a softcover version, or a hardcover. My hardcover should be coming in a couple of days, which I'm really excited for. But I will provide a link in the comments of this episode so you can take a look to go support the publishers. They are awesome. The book is really fascinating to read, but I also appreciate how much research and, like, work went into making sure that these were ac- not only these were accurate mechanics wise, but they were true and authentic to people who experiences this. And the reason I bring this up and I want to support it too, is because I sent it to a fellow friend of ours between me and Adolfo that we play in a game with who has a form of a disability and just hearing the conversation that this, me and this person had with how much they feel seen thanks to this book and how accurate it is to somebody who lives with this just shows that this hobby goes beyond just playing a game with your friends and it grows into something more is that people who feel that they never can play a character like their real life self or in the sense that there's no way that a community would be able to figure out how you would include it if you want to play a character like that. Creativity abound. And this book just proves that this community can do some fucking good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why... I was about to say, he's, I can't deal with this. I'm out. Yeah, Craig's out done with yo shit. I'm done with y'all. Also, you might want to drop in the comments the, the website to Wormwood Publishing as well. I like, definitely will do that. Yeah, I think give the company a shout out because for sure, like their website a shout out because that's huge. That's a huge thing for the community. Yeah. We support creators on this platform. So now, despite what what other people say, Dungeons and Dragons, are there any other game systems that facilitate rules that already have rules in the rule set that help to facilitate playing an individual with, with these types of disabilities that you can think of? I have one right off the bat. It's the Essence 20 system. Okay. Um, used over at Renegade Games, that Renegade, game, Renegade Games Studios. Yeah. It's, they, there is a way, it's their equivalent of a feat. 
called a skill, but it it allows you, in essence, you you trade the usage of one, in essence, one thing for another. So, for example, in this context, because I bought the book for the GI Joe, the role playing game, it uses the example of Snake Eyes, who is the blind ninja in the GI Joe, and you are able to to make a character like Snake Eyes it, by taking this skill. And what happens is that you take, you get your eyesight taken away from you, but then I believe you get two other, you get skill bonuses or something, two other abilities on there. I can't, I haven't read the book in a bit, so I forgot how it's worded, but it's, it's in there. It's something that's in there. And it's something that I felt that it was really well-written in, in a case like like this. I also feel like the apocalypse is, the apocalypse systems that we play. I feel that those games are you can pull that off because they don't they're not really like hard set in that whole like you only have a you know you only have 30 feet of movement. You take a 5 foot movement. There's difficult terrain. There's this, there's that. The apocalypse apocalypse am I saying that word right? Okay, thank you. The apocalypse game systems it I feel it gives that it gives that type of characterization more to the player to give it out and how they do things and how they they approach things and it's not so entrenched in that mechanic that movement mechanic or this mechanic or that mechanic it's more entrenched into the storytelling aspect of the character okay that's cool and sadly, I don't know of any that have specifics. I can only, the only things I can talk to are like, oh, what was her name? The writer, creative person, Sarah Thompson, who came out with the combat wheelchair, yep. which was a huge step forward. And that started, she came out with, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she came out with that because there was a, there was a discussion about suddenly about yeah, wheelchairs and yeah. D. I think a character wanted to have a wheelchair, but, and they were like, oh, there isn't a wheelchair in D. And then suddenly she's, yeah, there is. Here are the stats for it. And Bill created the stats and everything for it. And I think that was our first step to this. And because it made, it was true. I was like, why can't you have a wheelchair in D? &D? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a fantasy game. It, it, that's, I guess, that'll be my answer to all of it. it it's a uh, fantasy yeah, game. You know, it can be anything you want it to be. Tangier's floating disc on a, on a throne like chair that, yeah. and then have a unseen servant push you around. Boom! There you go. Yeah, or you have a an artificer builds you a wheelchair that you know can. It has spell slots in it where you can cast fly at will. Yeah. And fly across and like terrains if, if they and think, combat, I mean, why not? Throw, it's a fantasy world. What is it? The charge feet and then the the pass by feet where you can, yeah. you can attack and then turn around and come back. Yeah, that's yeah. There's tons of ways to do it. Uh huh. Yeah. Or, you know, or yeah. cast haste on them. Imagine that, like a race car, an armored race car. So again, I think when it comes to disabilities, I think honestly and truly, the one thing I can say is. Make it happen. It's a fantasy world. It could be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Don't just make it up. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't feel that the setting was that you into that bar the boneless style from no. the Vikings. I don't know if you guys saw the final seasons of Vikings when it was on history. Sorry, I burped. I did not. Uh, Sorry. In the final 
seasons. Throughout the show Viking, the main Viking, Ragnar Lothbrok, he had all these sons. One of the sons that he had was this Viking by the name of Ivar the Boneless. And Ivar did not have use of his legs. So for a good portion of the series, the way he got around was by by using his hands and in essence, like crawling. But one of the cool things I will give the actor of Ivar the Boneless and the show is that as the show progressed, it didn't stay a disability. Like towards the end... When Ivar, because that's something else, is that Ivar start, comes into power and becomes one, one of the most powerful Vikings. But one of the things is his, the, the hand crawling that he did at the beginning, like you would see progressive Chris until finally it was like he, he was very much walking normally with his hands and then of course they also built a they built a combat wheelchair for him, which was actually a combat chariot he would like it was actually cool it was ingenious they they would wrap him in and it was like a, a roman chariot and like he would ride out in it and shit like that but but yeah don't be if in your fantasy don't be shoehorned i i know it might seem a sci-fi setting would be easier because like in a sci-fi setting yeah you could have that cool dr magneto floating wheelchair those the prosthetics and this that and the other but the it's yeah don't be no i agree all right so final thoughts everyone mikey my final thoughts in the words of brian zame wrestling youtuber extraordinaire on the wrestling with regret channel remember like what you like don't be a dick how much time do i have for this final thought indeed adolfo okay Final thought is... I'm um, giving you like 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm very upset by comic book gaslighting. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah Another topic. Absolutely. Yeah. My final thoughts. You heard my final thoughts. Yeah. So yeah. just yeah. make it happen. It's a fantasy world. Don't shy away. Com- so. Conversations. Make sure... So everyone, thanks for joining us. To, oh, go ahead. Players to DMs. Players to players. Conversate, conversation. Yes. Yep. Yes. Communication is key. For sure. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us on another episode of The Diver. Again, if you have topics, suggestions for us that we haven't discussed yet, please leave them in the comments, and we'd love to hear what you'd like us to talk about, because we can obviously talk for a very long time. So this is Will, or Halfling Wizard on the socials, signing off. (laughs) On up to... Whoever. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go next. This has been Mikey. You can all over the socials at Pop Culture and Geek and Vibe Tribe Productions. Uh, Bye. Bye-bye. This has been a Vibe Tribe Production. Remember, take care of each other, love one another, and as always, keep those good times rolling. We'll see you next time.